With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. Today is an all Feldy's Follies edition of A's Plus. David Feldman and I will talk about the A's moves at the trade deadline, the Cubs series and the week-long stay in Chicago, and what's wrong with Matt Chapman, next on A's Plus. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for Feldy Follies on the Ace Plus podcast. David Feldman, we have not spoken to you, gosh, it seems like for a couple of weeks, which considering the trade deadline happened uh, since the last time we talked, really, it really seems uh, remiss of me not to get your thoughts on the trade deadline. Obviously, the A's adding Homer Bailey, who we discussed briefly at one point before the break since that, that happened uh, earlier in the month of July, but then adding Jake Diekman and... Um, of course, getting a, yet another starter in Tanner Roark. What are your impressions of, of what the A's were able to do before the deadline? First, first, Susan, I've missed our conversations. <laughs> Me too. Thanks, Feldy. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so I think the A's did very well at the deadline. If you look at did they improve themselves, and they did. They brought in two starters who were better starting pitchers than what they had, in, in my opinion. Um, and they brought in a left-handed reliever who's probably better than the left-handed relievers they have. So they improved themselves. Could they have done more? Probably not. Um, there wasn't, if you saw the action that happened and the trades that went around them in the league, I thought, I thought for what other teams had to give up, the A's didn't have that. They didn't have those pieces to make the moves that other teams did. So what they did was kind of those under-the-radar under moves that just make you a better baseball team. Um, you know, with, with, we talked, you know, all season, we've talked about Lizardo and Puck and Manaya and when they're coming back and when they're coming back. And there was never any guarantee that they're coming back. And, you know, in case of like Sean Manaya again, being shut down once, once more, you couldn't rely that those were going to be your improvements in the starting rotation. So they went out and got two starters who automatically made the rotation more solid and who were reliable guys. So Homer Bailey, as we've seen so far, uh, been very good at home, has been really good at home, and really bad on the road in his two road He's Trevor Cahill. Yeah. And that's a concern because you don't want that to be a thing, right? You don't want it to be in his mind that now I'm making a road start and now I'm going to be bad. Um, So hopefully, uh, right now I believe his next start is scheduled to be at home, so that would be a better thing. Um, 
But Tanner Roark is what you saw in his first start with the A's, is what he is. A guy who gives you five innings, throws a lot of pitches, but keeps you in the game. That's kind of been his M.O. Um, He's a fourth or fifth starter in most rotations, and and that's what you got to believe you're going to get. So it's going to be a bullpen day when he pitches, but he's going to keep you in the game. Um, And Jake Diekman, uh, he's been through this trade deadline thing before. Last year, he got traded to Arizona. and It didn't go so well for him in Arizona. So hopefully he learned from that and uh, can, can be better. Um, you see, he's not a one-batter guy. He's a guy who normally needs to pitch an inning. Uh, he's effective against lefties and righties. Uh, I think that's the way he needs to be used. Um, but again, three guys who I think make the team better. Yeah, and you know one thing that I think gets a little bit lost in the shuffle, um, especially with Diekman and Roark, is they came over with phenomenal clubhouse reputations. Uh, I got a text from somebody with the Reds after the Roark move saying this is like a superb human being. Um, you, you know, that's the sort of thing you get when I, I can remember that happening when the A's acquired Stephen Vogt. Uh, Jake Diekman, I think people know his story. Um, he dealt with ulcerative colitis uh, and wound up having his colon removed after the 2016 season. He pitched, he actually had a very good 2016 season pitching with, uh, you know, really, really difficult circumstances of, of a, a terrible inflammatory bowel disease uh, and then had to have his colon rebuilt uh, and had a colostomy bag. Uh, and uh, I just talked to John Daniels about it for a story that I'm doing in the Chronicle uh, about him. Uh, Jake was our guest on the podcast earlier this week. So I kind of turning that into a story because he's so interesting. And, and John Daniel said the thing to him that was amazing was that Diekman had no embarrassment or shame whatsoever about the whole colostomy bag, which he had for, for five months, he would walk around with his shirt off. Um, you know, he had it in a pouch, looked like maybe he had a, an iPhone sort of attached to his abdomen. Um, just absolutely uh, upfront remains so. You know, he's got this gutted out foundation, which helps kids and other patients with eye, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, IBF, and um, provides resources to hospitals. He goes and talks to kids. And John Daniels said that uh, while he was going through this with the Rangers, the Rangers started getting contacted by parents with kids that have similar conditions uh, and who were dealing with colostomy bags and getting teased at school. And Jake Diekman went to school with one of the kids one day and basically like made it. So this kid became like the cool kid at school, you know, like here's a major league baseball player dealing with the same thing. So this is another level of like great clubhouse guy. Uh, And I I think ACN should be really happy that, you know, the A's are, are picking up people with, with really good characters. Um, And, you know, guys who've pitched in the playoffs, Uh, these are, these are good moves. Um, I think Homer Bailey's kind of home road Splits are a little bit of a concern, and if that goes on, you wonder what happens if and when Manaya is ready, or if Mingdon starts pitching better. Um, certainly, September could be interesting as as they have a bunch of other options. Uh, and you know, we've spent so much time, David. You mentioned Lazardo. Um, we've talked about Puck. We've talked about these guys so much as potential options. I do start to wonder here when Puck is going to be uh, a potential option for them because the bullpen continues to be uh, an issue. Uh, it was in the Cubs series. And, uh, you know, that's it was a series where I think the A's, you know, had the potential. Certainly, you know, they wind up losing by one run in the first game. Uh, it's a better bullpen. I think this team would be, you know, they're only half game out still of the second wild card, but that's really still the area they need shoring up. Yeah, the one good thing to come out of the Cubs series um, is that your main bullpen guys all got rest. Uh, who were used 
uh, an awful lot in the Milwaukee and St. Louis homestand. Um, but look, Joaquin Soria threw one inning through only six pitches in Chicago. Yusuf Merrill Petit didn't throw at all. Liam Hendricks didn't throw at all. Jake Beekman didn't throw at all. So these guys all got four days off, basically, with, with the off day coming into the White Sox series. So that is, that's a positive because you saw it with Petit. He was getting used so much. Uh, guys were just jumping on his first pitch and putting it in play. Um, Hendricks, uh, who's been you know outstanding in this role, but had also gone through a little bit of a downtime, right? He had blown some saves, and he was giving up hard-hit balls. So it was nice to get them this time off. Let's see how they react. We thought that Trinan and Trevino were making strides. Uh, they pitched much better on the homestand. Um, and then the Chicago series happened, and the doubt creeps in again. Um, yeah, one of the home runs that Trinan gave up looked like just a fly ball. That just yeah, it was to go a cheapie. Out. That was definitely a cheapie. But the sinker is not were, great. I mean, it's not I, great. I, you know, the, the Hap home run, you know, pitch tracker said sinker. I watched it a couple of times. I was like, mm, I don't see, see much thinking about it. So I asked Trinan afterwards, what was that pitch? And he said a sinker. It did not sink. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that's a, that's an issue. Yeah. And so, yeah, they need to shore that up. They need to shore up that the back end now with those guys. And Puck could be an answer there. Um, if he's healthy and he's getting guys out and his stuff looks good, uh, I like bringing in a new arm that no one's seen before, especially as you go down the stretch. We've seen it before with other teams. You can bring in these weapons that no one's seen, and they can be so effective. Yeah, the K-Rod factor. Last month. But, yeah, exactly. And also when when David um, David, Price. When David Price came up with, with the Rays as a bullpen guy, no one had seen him. Chris Sale came up in the bullpen with the White Sox. Um, it's, just, it's just a weapon. I think the A's have to think about uh, using it. Yeah, I love it. Um, Matt, Matt Chapman, are we concerned yet? He's two for his last 47, um, 19 strikeouts in there. Uh, he felt like he was having some better at bats. Um, he did mention yesterday, you know, look, he got the runner over once with a fly ball. He was happy about that. I, I mean, yes, that's a better at bat. I don't know. You know, this is an all-star. This is, this is the best player on the team. Um, they, they obviously need more for him from him. He knows that he took full responsibility. Bob Melvin had said, look, he's dinged up. Uh, take that into consideration, but he, he was not to his credit uh, going to use that as an excuse at all. He said, everybody's dinged up this time of year. What are you seeing? What, what needs to happen here? Yeah. What's concerning to me is, is his plate discipline is still good and he's swinging at strikes and he's missing. His timing is just off. It's not like he's chasing balls. You're just seeing swinging through pitches that uh, earlier in the season he was mashing. So that is a concern. Is why is he missing these pitches? Is it just a thing where you're just in a bad way and you just need a couple bloops maybe to get you going? That's possible. Um, but you look at the A's offense, and you know obviously as a guy who's hitting two or three, he's such a huge part of it to go two for 47. Um, now the two hits were huge, right? The home run against Texas and the game winner against Milwaukee, so huge hits coming through. Um, but he's not the only one. If you look at the last 15 games, uh, the A's of it as a team, although they're eight and seven, they're only hitting 207. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Olson's hitting 213. Um, again, he had a huge home run, which helps. Uh, you know, Chris Davis, who basically got a Chicago series off, um, you know, really for the last a month and a half, getting 178 with only the one homer. Um, so Chapman's not getting a lot of help. Um, somebody needs to, to get hot with this offense. And as we've seen, it's still so much depends on the home run ball, yeah. right? Even in these last 15 games, when, when they don't homer, they're 0 6. 
And so I thought about this. I said, well, is this just unique to the A's, or is this something other teams, especially in this year with, with the home runs, you know, how do teams do when they don't hit home runs? Um, is it as drastic as the A's record is? And the answer is no, the A's are drastic. Uh, <laughs> by far the worst record in baseball um, when not hitting a home run. Uh, at 2-25, and 25, depending on the Detroit game, they might get a third win there. Um, you know, uh, Seattle's the only other team who's who's been that bad without oh, hitting ouch. a home run. But they're also bad when they hit home runs. So, <laughs> you know, it's not that... This, I hope this, Dan this, Brown's this, not listening this. to this podcast. Cry. <laughs> so it, it's they got to find a way to, to raise that average, draw a few more walks, get a few more hits. Um, you know, Pinder has done a nice job lately. It's, it's, it's the thought of playing him every day now at second base has to be in, in the forefront of the A's mind. That's what I was right? going to ask you about next, because I, I wrote that last week, you know, he, that he should be a consideration there, especially with Barreto getting sent down. That, and you could certainly argue, and many people have, has he really gotten the, the shot there, Franklin Barreto? You know, he, did they really throw him out there and let him play every day? They didn't quite. They kind of went back and forth a little bit. I, I'm not sure we have seen enough from Barreto yet to say, yeah, you know, really, he get, does, especially not in for a contending team. I don't know if he gets right. that shot when he's not producing. Um, but Profar does not seem to be the answer. And I think the concern is, uh, and scouts have mentioned this a lot, at some point in a big situation, the defense, the inability to throw might just kill the ace in a big situation. That's a big if. That's a big if. And he does drive in runs and he hits the occasional homer. Uh, but Chad Pinder, uh, he's a guy I would like to see get every day at bats. You know, he, he yeah. has hit right-handers when he's played regularly. Uh, I know the splits don't look like it right now, but that's because he's so seldom played against right-handers. Uh, and he could play, he can play second when he gets the reps there. He hasn't, he's barely had any this year. Um, but I, it seems to me like a, a potentially a good, if they're not going to call up Jorge Mateo until maybe September, I, I kind of like the idea of Pinder there. Yeah. We saw it earlier in the homestand. Uh, Ninth inning, who's playing second base, replacing yeah. Profar with yeah. Pinder. So and they, they feel confident. And he's barely played there. <laughs> he's barely played. You know, and Profar, and I, I do like his run production, but, you know, he's hitting 152 mm-hmm. over his last 17 games. It's just not enough contact. It's not enough uh, offensive production that you need. And this is, I, maybe the A's are starting to feel it, is Ramon Laureano not being in the lineup. Yeah. Is how hot was he through the month of July? And he was down in the lineup, and he was giving you this run production. Once you got past Chapman and Olsen and Davis, there was Loreano driving in runs and getting hits every time. That's a hard thing to replace. And they're, they're really starting to feel it now in these last yeah. couple of weeks. They need somebody like Piscotti to get hot. Some Someone yeah. somewhere in that area. Dustin Garneau, nice little pickup. I think this might be the wave of the future with this July 31st deadline as you wait until – August 1st and see who winds up going on, you know, on waivers. And uh, they'll have an interesting potential issue when Fegley comes back. Now, maybe Fegley doesn't come back until September, solves the issue. But uh, uh, Dustin Carnell's looked good and uh, productive and, uh, you know, great guy. He's had him before. He's one of Chris Davis's best friends, good in the clubhouse, all of that. little under the radar and, uh, you know, maybe a nice move. I, I know there were fans who thought, well, Jonathan Lucroy got designated for assignment, you know, a day or two after. Maybe they should have gone that way. 
big Jonathan Lucroy fan. We've talked a lot about him this year, um, Feldy, but I, I like this Garneau move a lot. I, I think this could be a good one. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that um, is Bob Melvin, after his first game, he had a good, you know, he had a nice game with the bat. He talked about defensively, he knows what the A's do here, is what his quote was. Because he was with the A's in 2017 and all of spring of 2018. So he knows the system. It was very easy for him to come in and know how the A's operate. Um, so that was a really good thing. And he does seem to have that personality that, that people like. He does, he's not full of himself. I mean, the first thing he said when the, in the post-game interview with Kara on television, you know, Kara asked, you know, what were you thinking out there? He goes, just trying not to suck. <laughs> and yeah, he says, this is blasted in the, in the stadium. So this is another good guy, yeah. You know, and Fegley, who was having, you know, his best season, but had tailed off as he was playing every day. Yeah. Um, I could see the A's trying to massage their way through these next yeah. few weeks of August to keep everybody. Um, Which I think they're doing and, a little bit with some of their pitching options, you know. Yeah. So, um, I, I, and I, I don't blame them. You know, you want to keep your options uh, as much as you can. And um, the injured list for a guy who hasn't pitched in a long time is, is sometimes the better option. Um, so, yeah, I, I I can't disagree with any of that, but I, I, I like this Dustin Garneau move. Now, I know you always keep a close eye on the schedules. What do you see coming up um, on the schedule as the A's sort of head into the home stretch? Yeah, you know, I try not to get too involved with, you know, oh, they have the easiest schedule, they have the hardest schedule. But it's interesting to look at who's in the, in the near future, right, as how, thing goes, how things are going to go. Because you have really, at the moment, it looks like a three-team race in the wild card with Cleveland, Tampa Bay, and the A's. Um, and then there's Minnesota, because Cleveland's only two games behind Minnesota for the central lead. So you have to keep an eye on that. Um, but looking at these next couple weeks in the schedule, I think it's going to be really really interesting uh, what's going to happen. Because here's what Cleveland has coming up. Now, Cleveland, who's been red hot, right? Since the end, end of May, they're 42 and 19, playing out of their minds. Well, let's look at that a little deeper. They're 20 and 3 versus Detroit and Kansas City. 20 and 3. Wow. So they've made their bones beating up on these central teams. Um, and good for them. That's what you got to do, right? But now, finally, after this long stretch of playing what seems like Detroit and Kansas City every day, uh, <laughs> they're actually going to get to play some baseball now, right? Because if you look at uh, the Minnesota series starts this tonight, four-game series against the Twins. And I think this is why the A's should become Twins fans, because you, you kind of want to just knock one of these teams out instead of saying, oh, they should just beat each other up. No, it's better to just knock them away and knock Cleveland away that's what you want. So they got four games against the Twins. Uh, they host a struggling Red Sox team. But then they have their week in New York, where they have four games against the Yankees on off day and then three games at the Mets. So really, these next two weeks is going to tell you a lot about Cleveland. Um, you wouldn't think the Mets games were going to be big a month ago, and now the Mets are the best team in baseball. So it could be something. So I think that's going to be really interesting to look at. Uh, after that, and then they get to go play Kansas City and the White Sox and Detroit again. Um, but they also have series with the Phillies and series with the Nationals coming up. They actually end the season in the nation's capital playing the Nationals. So I think Cleveland's schedule changes a little bit, but these next two weeks you're going to see you're going to learn a lot about them after beating up on cupcakes. Um, Tampa Bay is a little different. Tampa Bay's schedule um, probably a little easier. 
because they've already played the Yankees 17 times. Uh, and they went 5-12 and 12 against the Yankees. So much like the A's struggles with the Astros, the Rays have that struggles with the Yankees. Uh, they only have two more games left with the Yankees. So we can't, as A's, as A's fans, they can't trust that you know, they're going to pick up more losses uh, for Tampa Bay. So you look at their, their coming schedule now, um, not too tough. They go to Seattle and they go to San Diego for a six-game trip, and they come home and they play Detroit and they play Seattle, and then they go to Baltimore for four games. Um, so their schedule is a little easier. Um, they're, they're, they're toughest games. They still have a series with the Astros. Um, they have a West Coast trip to the Angels and the Dodgers, but only two against the Dodgers. And again, only those two games left with the Yankees. Um, so I, I, I see Tampa Bay hanging in this for a long time because there's a lot of wins out there for them where they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be, um, challenged as much as you're going to see Cleveland and as you're going to see the A's. Uh, you know, cause now you got to look at the next two weeks for the A's. The A's have gotten through this, most of this, this NL Central stuff now, and they did very well against the Cardinals and the Brewers, uh, dropping two out of three to the Cubs, but still they're fine. But now you got, you know, the White Sox series, you come back to the Bay Area, you get the Giants for two, and then the huge homestand. Four against Houston, three against the Yankees, and then finish with two against the Giants. Uh, they got to survive these next two weeks. Um, they got to win games and they got to win series. Uh, it really starts this weekend with the White Sox. They, they need to take care of business, um, which they've done such a good job of playing the lesser teams in the last few months. They got to continue that. It's going to be really interesting when we talk again, let's say on August 22nd, August 26th, when we see these next you know two weeks go by and we see where everybody is. Ooh, okay. Well, that's a date then, David Feldman. We were, we were definitely attacking August 26th, probably, you know, once or twice be, before then too, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I won't, I won't go like another couple of weeks without talking to you. I promise. Oh, Dave, good, good yeah. David Feldman, as always, thanks for, for being with us on Feldy's Follies slash A's plus, and we will speak again soon. David Feldman is an official scorer and a statistics guru who appears regularly on the podcast. Our producers today were King Kaufman and Alan Johnson. We will be back next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.